Blog Talk Radio. Gridiron Blitz, uh, episode 343 in the house. We got Hall of Famer Holly Custis alongside Mackenzie Brooks, the salty one in about an hour. We're going to be talking college football, NFL, and we're going to dive into the women's game, including the WFLA draft at the bottom of the hour. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but we're excited today to announce our new sponsor for the podcast, and that is uh, monkeyknifefight.com. So it's a great platform. If you do daily fantasy sports like FanDuel or DraftKings, you know it's pretty intense and a lot of sharks out there and you can't really win big money unless you get lucky or something like that. So you can go uh, to sign up at monkeyknifefight.com today. Uh, New players will sign up. They get a deposit. They'll receive a bonus. You can use our code NJF for No Joke Football. Uh, You'll receive a 100% match on your first deposit up to $50, a minimum deposit $10, so you'll match that. you got one month to play. So place your bets, use the code NJF, and watch your favorite team and players, and you can easily pick an event for a sport that you like, major sports also. So we strongly recommend checking it out, monkeyknifefight.com, if you want to get away from the usual lineup building on daily fantasy sports platforms. Don't forget to use the code NJF to get started today, Mike, monkeyknifefight.com. Dot com. So let's bring in the Hall of Famer here. And so, Holly, pretty excited. We've got monkey, uh, monkeyknifefight.com uh, as our major sponsor. So we're pretty excited for this uh, announcement today. Yeah, it's great news. Um, you know, I'm always uh, interested to see, you know, the next uh, big thing in, in this area of sports betting. And I've heard good things about this company, so I'm excited to uh, to get involved myself, I'll be uh, checking it out this weekend. So I think it's great news. Anytime we have uh, people that want to support us, and um, and so I'm really excited. Yeah, and it's a if you haven't gone there, uh, it's pretty awesome. It's uh, basic. You can anybody can do it. There's various sports you can try. Um, so take advantage of the 100% match on your deposit up to fifty dollars. So you don't have to. Do fifty dollars, you can do ten, and you get twenty dollars. So basically, it helps you out. So don't forget to use code NJF. Um, Holly, what a big weekend in terms of the scene. I know you were on Facebook the whole day, pretty much. Uh, Alabama's win over Georgia, <laughs> Clemson's blowout victory over Georgia Tech, Notre Dame's close call against Louisville, uh, Texas A&M's road victory against Mississippi State, uh, Florida State's upset versus North Carolina. Um, so really, really exciting weekend. Yeah, I mean, um, I was just uh, telling my wife the other day that, um, you know, due to COVID, um, there's not a lot going on on the weekends right now for me. So really, I'm I'm kind of half, you know, enjoying not having a whole lot going on and just being able to watch football all weekend and, um, you know, and watch football and clean and and watch football and eat. (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of nice. Um, and since my my team doesn't play for a couple more weeks here, and I'm enjoying watching everybody else play, and uh, it was a 
really good uh, weekend for college football, as you said. Um, I think we're starting to get to to the meat of the season for the conferences that have been playing to this point. We're starting to understand um, the identity of these teams and and who is really good and who might have been a bit overrated, who might have been underrated. And now it gets really interesting um, because this weekend the Big Ten comes back into the picture um, and then a couple more weeks after that, the, the Pac-12 comes back around. So it's almost like these uh, two conferences were coming in late to the party, but we've had kind of an advantage in watching everyone else beat each other up. And uh, so I'm excited to see this weekend, and um, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I think this weekend we, we, we found out uh, about a few teams that I think we had questions on. I don't think we're uh, any of us were surprised about the blowout. You know, uh, Clemson's blowout over Georgia Tech was like seventy-three to seven. It's almost like that. Um, it was, <laughs> it's almost like the Cowboys beat down from Arizona <laughs> in a way. It was, um, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I mean, I watched the first quarter, and you could tell like Georgia Tech, um, they don't have. There's a big gap in talent and talent there, right? And so mm-hmm. you could tell though. If Georgia Tech was going to hang in that game, their margin of error was pretty thin. But Georgia Tech basically did whatever they could to to hand this to Clemson. They 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 had turnover penalties. They kept shooting themselves in the foot. And when you have a big gap in talent like that, you can't afford to do that. And that added up very quickly. And once Clemson got some momentum, it was basically game over at that point. Um, and uh, so it was very impressive by Clemson, um, but also I think not a very big pass for them either. Now, uh, surprised that Notre Dame uh, against Louisville was pretty close as well, or no? No, actually, not really. I think for me, Notre Dame might be a bit uh, overrated at this point because the teams that they had beaten weren't very good. I think it tells you that they might have more issues than people thought, but it also might tell you that um, people might be missing, uh, you know, the absence of the, the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12 because there's only so many teams right now to rank. And so I think um, right now Notre Dame before going into this weekend was a hot team to, to look at as maybe a next year team to try to um, compete with Clemson. But it's obvious that there's some issues there. Their offense was uh, anemic at best. They were kind of lucky they were playing a team in Louisville who was very spirited but didn't have the horses to offensively put up a lot of points because Notre Dame offensively did not look very impressive to me. Um, I think their defense is pretty good, but I don't know if their offense is going to be able to put up enough points uh, to hang with teams like Clemson. Um, I don't even know if they have enough points to, to, to hang with uh, teams like North Carolina, who also lost. Um, so I think for me, I was not surprised by the Renee's uh, win. Um, I think it kind of shows you who they are and kind of where they're at. Yeah, the Aggies played pretty good. On You know, they dominate the line of scrimmage, got plenty of tackles um, for losses. So they limited uh, the Bulldogs, I think, to only three and a half yards. So. That's pretty pretty impressive. Uh, Twenty-eight to fourteen, uh, the defense lets the leads the way for the Texas A&M against Mississippi State. So that was pretty pretty awesome, uh, you know, to take care of. 
Florida State's upset versus North Carolina. Shocker, no shocker, or is it just too early for us to even think about whether it's relevant at all? I, I think this one's probably a bigger shocker to me than, than the Notre Dame game. Um, I think North Carolina is that is kind of a, um, an additional sexy tick going into this weekend where I think people are like, oh, we, we need we need teams on that second tier. Who's going to be in that second tier? And people thought that North Carolina could do it. But I do think it might be a little early for them. They're still developing. Um, the quarterback, Sam Howell, um, I think he's a good young quarterback, but I still think he has some, some growing to do. And I think overall, I think what happened in that game is a maturity issue. So sometimes what you have is you have a team that might be – um, overachieving uh, with the talent that they have for a couple of years until they can recruit more. And I think right now you're kind of seeing a team in North Carolina that is improving and definitely in the next couple of years is going to be very competitive. But they haven't gotten to the maturity point where they know that you can't just show up and think that people are going to roll over for you. You have to treat each game as its own entity and you could tell them they just kind of thought that they were just going to roll over Florida State. But I do think, for me, the biggest story was Florida State and um, how much fight that they had. That is the most fight I've seen in that team for, I don't even know, like six, seven years. So I think, for me, Florida State was a bigger story of, hey, they might not have the talent right now at Florida State, but if they can get some traction in the next couple of years and even kind of be a little competitive, then maybe the recruiting will start to come back over there. So I think you, you learned a lot about both of those teams. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it, because it seemed like one of those matchups that um, wouldn't have a difficulty with it. But, you know, the upset there, um, that was a big difference. Um, to your point, we're going to just kind of spread around because we got the Big Ten that returns in week eight. Um, you know, by uh, I think it's Ohio State hosting Nebraska, and then you have uh, Michigan uh, clashing against Minnesota. So that's going to be a pretty key matchup there for Week Eight. Uh, Alabama remains undefeated after beating Georgia. So, I mean, the, the top ten, I guess, isn't much changed yet in terms of what's going to happen this weekend. But you have Alabama t- taking on Tennessee this weekend. Uh, Notre Dame against I. Pitt, uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, just like I mentioned. It's another key game that we got to watch out for um, this coming weekend. Um, I think the Notre Dame-Pitt game is going to be interesting because Notre Dame barely escaped last week, and Pitt is, is pretty fiery, and it's on the road for Notre Dame. So we'll see how they bounce back. I think the Iowa State-Oklahoma State game is very interesting. Um, Oklahoma State is now that uh, Texas and Oklahoma both have two losses already. Oklahoma State is basically the last um, chance that the Big 12 has right now, unless something else crazy for them to get into um, the playoff picture. Um, but I guess overall, the, the bigger story is the, uh, the Big Ten coming back. And now it's going to be interesting because you have these three conferences that have been going for a minute. And now we kind of know who are the good teams in each of those three conferences. Now the Big Ten is all based upon 
the preseason rankings of what people think they're going to be. And we don't really know who mm-hmm. these people are yet or what these teams are going to bring or what they're actually going to look like. Because, you know, there, there were already teams in the top 25 the last, you know, few weeks especially that uh, have already lost a couple of times, you know, like Oklahoma or Texas, those teams that we thought were going to be good but are actually not as good. So we're not going to really know and, uh, uh, for a minute, probably a couple of weeks before we get an idea of what these teams are going to look like. But it's almost like you have to kind of take those teams and kind of fold them into the other three conferences and, and try to compare them. And they'll have to do the same with the, with the Pac-12 in a couple of weeks. So I think the biggest interest I have is who are these Big Ten teams and how are they going to compare to the rest of the teams that have already been playing? Um, and then I guess, that, yeah, that would be my biggest thing. Now, were you surprised that SMU uh, Tulane went to overtime? Was it because, I don't know, maybe Tulane stepped up here or the fact that we didn't have enough preparation, maybe – this is kind of like a tune-up games for some some of these teams where you got close matchups, but that was I think that was the only overtime game out of the whole weekend on Friday, which was uh, pretty interesting. It was uh, I think uh, by three points in overtime, so that was cool. And then the other one was Wednesday, Coastal Carolina took down number one number twenty-one Louisiana also by almost uh, by three points. So pretty interesting matchups there on the lower ranking tiers. Yeah, I think what it says is it used to be in the in the lower ranking, um, you know, conferences that there was like one or two like really good teams and they would just roll through their conferences and blow everybody out. Um, but I think what you're seeing is there's actually more parity in those lower conferences. And mm-hmm. so it's not as surprising that like a Tulane, even though they didn't have a great record going in, uh, was able to compete or a Coastal Carolina because I think the the, the parity has, has gotten better. And I think it's mm-hmm. gotten better overall in college football except for the, the top, like, four or five programs. Like, after after those top four or five programs, you know, there's a big drop. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, your exposure. And in the, in the era of social media, if you are a player – and you go to a smaller school, you have a much better chance of coming out. If you just play and, and do your thing, somebody will find you. Where, like, 20, 30 years ago, if you went to Coastal Carolina, it was a lot harder to find you. But now because of social media, people can go to the smaller schools if they don't get recruited um, and right. still produce and still, you know, make it. So I think that's what you're seeing. And so I'm really not that surprised. Um, that there was competitive games there. Now, the only other uh, uh, upset was, I believe, uh, Auburn falling to South Carolina. It was uh, 30-22, so they knock off number 15. So that was the other, uh, you know, surprise, or if you want to call it surprise at this point. Um, Alabama was able to hold off top five opponents already. Number three, Georgia, obviously we said beat, beat them. So a little bit of parity. We're going to start to see the – the two new conferences, the PAC and um, obviously uh, the Big Ten coming into play, and like to your point, it's going to get pretty pretty exciting in terms of how we're going to how we're going to see that you know play out in a lot of in, in terms of week eight, week nine, and week ten as we get closer to January, you know November, December, and January at this point. Um, the other ones are going to be Cincinnati, SMU will take on Cincinnati, 
So it's 16 versus 9 on ESPN2. Uh, what's the other one that I'm looking at? Oh, the Battle of Carolina. NC State, 20, number 23, take it on North Carolina, uh, number 14. And then we have Michigan taking on Minnesota on ABC uh, late night. You have number 19, Virginia Tech to, at Wake Forest. Uh, which one of those should be we like sitting around with your game plan of just trying to clean and thinking you're actually doing something? Because I know your wife knows you're not doing much except for on the tube <laughs> and stuff. Mm-hmm. Football and cooking and watching football basically has been my weekend the last couple weekends. Um, I'd say that the North Carolina State, North Carolina game will be interesting because, like we talked about before, I think North Carolina mm-hmm. has um, some maturing to do. And so looking at how they bounce back um, will be a, a key game. Um, if they want to compete with Clemson in that conference, they have to show the ability to, to bounce back. Um, I also think that the um, we talked about Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Uh, let's see, the other one that I was really interested in is I'm interested to see the Alabama-Tennessee game because Tennessee was a team that everyone was mm-hmm. high on going into this season as maybe being a team that can kind of push Alabama and, and get to that level. Or they're going to end up like Georgia, where they're going to get spanked. At this point, I'm not very confident. I think the other thing about uh, the Alabama-Georgia game that that I noticed is just that Alabama was a lot better than Georgia. And so, actually, I was very surprised Georgia didn't drop further in the polls because, to me, it was competitive for about a half, and then Alabama kind of ran away with it. And so, for me, Mm -hmm. I was surprised Georgia stayed up there. Um, they didn't. I think they dropped only like one or two spots. Um, I think for me, Tennessee, if they want to get to that next level, I mean, obviously it would be awesome if they could win. I think their defense is strong enough to kind of hold them in there. I just don't know if they have enough at the quarterback spot to, to score enough. Um, but even so, if they can at least make this game competitive and I think that's going to do a lot for their confidence going forward. So we'll see. I think I think for me, they're going to have to play really well on defense. Uh, they're going to have to be able to cover uh, because Waddle uh, for Alabama is extremely fast, and it seems like their go-to play is just have uh, Matt Jones drop back and just throw it 50 yards for, for Waddle every time. And so right. if, they can, if they can stop the explosive play – and then they can control the ball in offense, so they might have a chance. But I'm really concerned about their quarterback. I don't know if he if he can get them out of like a third and 12 and a third and long situation, because that's going to be the key is maintaining drive and stopping the big plays. Um, so I'm interested to see that game for sure. Yeah, and I'm, the other one that we're looking at is um, the Battle of Kansas, Kansas State at Kansas. Uh, that's going to be interesting. You have number 22, Marshall, against Florida Atlantic. Could be an interesting matchup there. you got Coastal Carolina coming off that win, going up against Georgia Southern. Um, so a, little, a couple of matchups on ESPNU, ESPN3, uh, ABC, Fox, um, also CBS. Obviously, it's going to cover the Alabama-Tennessee. But you, uh, we also have Clemson 
taking on Syracuse on uh, ACC Network. So a good matchup as well. We'll see how Syracuse fares against Clemson here. Yeah, Syracuse um, got shellacked by Liberty last week. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking it's probably no, going to be <laughs> – they're probably you're not, you're not going very to with that analysis. <laughs> you know, no, it's going to be a I, I think they're going to. It's it's probably going to be like Clemson's probably going to put at least sixty. I think. Um, sure. But the, one of the the Big Ten matchups that I'm interested in is uh, Michigan and Minnesota. You know, because those are two mm-hmm. teams that are always trying to push on Ohio State, and that should be a good matchup right out of the gate. It's hard because it's a um, for them, it's a week one matchup, so you don't have that tune-up game to kind of, you know, get the, the rust out and try to figure stuff out. Um, so I'm interested to see which of those two teams is going to, to be that team that's going to push Ohio State in that conference. So that's a good one, too. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be a real key. And then you also have the other one, uh, number 14, Wisconsin, kicks it off on Friday against Illinois as well on the Big Ten Network as well. So a lot of lot of college football. Everybody's going to be excited to see what transpires in week eight, going into week nine, especially with, like you said, with the Pac, uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten kicking in as well. So as we progress into no, late November, into December, it's going to be really interesting to see who's, you know, who stands out. The rankings themselves, as you said before, you know, the coaches poll, the a- a- AP poll, see how that, they're going to uh, – you know, reevaluate everybody. So as it stands right now through Sunday, uh, Clemson's number one, Alabama number two, Notre Dame three, Georgia four, Ohio State five, Oklahoma State six, Texas A&M seven, Penn State eight, Cincinnati nine, and Florida ten. Um, that's the top ten teams right now. Currently, a majority of them undefeated except for Georgia, who's three and one. Texas A&M is three and one. Um, and I think that's oh, in Florida two and one. So we're, we're going to be keeping an eye on that. I'm pretty sure Holly, you're going to be sitting there, and um, I'm pretty sure Jessica's going to be going. What are you doing all weekend? Right, just standing there. What's going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, and, and she's still um, not very mobile right now. So she's basically um, doing work, doing homework, and. Uh, and then, like, what do you what are you doing over there? And I'm like, oh, I'm just watching football again. <laughs> but it's awesome because, like, uh, when it's the uh, like on NFL Sundays and stuff, we'll, we'll watch some of the games together. Um, so that's good. But when it's uh, she's not as into college as I am, um, so sure. she's more focused on the NFL. Yeah, and and that's uh, I think that's the key. Like, I'm on I'm more NFL guy anyways on on Sundays. Uh, but I got to, you know, we got to keep tabs on college and I got to dive into everything between Fox and CBS and every, everywhere else to try to just dive into what's going on with it and then kind of watch a couple key games here and there late night as well. Right. So, um, so you guys, we kicked off this uh, podcast, new sponsor, uh, monkeyknifefight.com. You can sign up today. New players who sign up, deposit will receive a bonus. It's 100% match of their deposit up to $50. Minimum of $10 required. You can uh, get one month to play after the deposit. So you can place your bets and win a few extra dollars watching your favorite team or players and matchups. Easy picks. You can pick from any major sport. 
So we strongly recommend check it out, monkeyknifefight.com, if you want to get away from the usual lineup building on daily fantasy sports like FanDuel and DraftKings. Use code NJF, NJF to get started today, so monkeyknifefight.com. So, uh, Ollie, I don't know what happened, but, damn, your Niners just – and my Rams, they look horrible. I was screaming and pissed off at the screen. You should have seen me that night. I was just a mess. Like, what the <laughs> hell are we doing here? And then, you know, 99 contained. Man, the Niners did a good job. You know, it going into this game, I, I was saying we've had um, – the Niners have had uh, one of the most 2020-type seasons uh, in the NFL. There's probably a couple other teams and they're and they're with us, but this season has been pretty crazy with all the injuries and and um, you know after getting just annihilated by the Dolphins who are who are not a better team, it was really a turning point of who are we? Are we going to be able to salvage this season? Or you know as you know the division that we're in is very tough, and in some of the divisions like the NFC East, you can get away with getting you know, annihilated and still have a chance at the division. But with our division, it's so competitive that one loss sets you back, especially a division loss. So um, for us, I was like, you know what? We need to figure out, is this something that we can salvage or what version of our team is going to show? Because our biggest thing has been not that we aren't a good team, but that we can't get everyone on the field together at the same time because everyone's injured. And that's really kind of messed with the chemistry and, and um, you know, the scheme, and, and it's really hurt us a lot. You know, we were missing some key, key people. And so I was really excited to watch this game and be like, okay, we still have some fight. You know, it wasn't perfect. There were things that we could have done better. But the, the first couple of drives, especially on offense, were the best we've looked all year by far. And so it's like, okay, maybe it's just we need everyone on the field because <laughs> our offense, you know, was healthier this week than it's been in a couple of weeks. And then um, so I was really excited with our offensive line play because the previous two weeks our offensive line got pretty schooled. And this this week, they, I, you know, I watched all the highlights and the offensive line, their communication was so much better. And they had a really good game plan against, against Donald. And, you know, going into this game, I, I was talking to people, and there's a, a lot of talk um, amongst the 49, 49er fan base about, is Jimmy the guy, you know? And I think it's it's really apparent to me that this remainder of the year is going to tell us a lot because it feels to me now, the more I'm looking at this, is that the scheme Shanahan wants to run and Jimmy's skill set Excuse me. I don't think really match up that well, and you you have a bunch of Matt receivers Ryan that are system, really good. I don't think Garoppolo fits in it because this system is a, no, a tempo. It's and tempo, so, and you really need play with with Debo making that run game. Mm-hmm. You you took away him completely. Um, I think the right. Rams were expecting maybe the, the pass at the beginning, but once you put you know once you uh, right. took Debo onto the running game, you really you really had more of a running game approach, and I, that's where I was disappointed with our defense. Like, there was no – poor tackling, number one. Oh, my God, pathetic tackling. And then 
the, the, they don't cover the gaps well, and the corners were horrible. Nobody was nobody was trying to take down a, a player. In other words, it was just pretty bad tackling. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that from, from the Rams' standpoint. I think from the from the Niners' standpoint, the more I think about this, it was a a, a big key was the draft. In this draft, mm-hmm. we all knew that we needed um, a receiver. And a lot of the fan base, me included, thought, okay, they're going to go get, you know, a number one guy, like a TD land type of guy that's going to stretch the field and be a downfield option because mm-hmm. it seemed to work pretty decent when we had Sanders last year. Then we went with Ayuk, who I think is really great, and he's going to be he's basically like a mere image of Debo Samuel. Like, they're going to be great together, right? But you have them, then you have Kittle. All three of these guys are – yards after the catch people, right? Which means you need a quarterback who's going to be like a, basically a point guard, a ball distributor right. who gets the ball out quickly, just gets it into the playmaker's hands and, and doesn't stand in the pocket forever. Right. But Jimmy skill set seems to be more old school, hold it, hold it in the pocket. So I, I was saying before this game, the people always like, look, like you either need to have Jimmy get the ball out faster or you need to adjust your offense to him, right? And it seems like they're not going to adjust the offense to him. So considering that he's banged up already, considering that he one of his biggest weaknesses is when it's a third and long situation and he drops back, you don't need right. to be Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, but his footwork, he just stops and gives up and gets just shellacked in the pocket. And it's really – easy for a defender to do that because he he's pretty stationary he like even tom brady who who is not very mobile will still use really good footwork to at least move around in the pocket and get a better angle to get the ball out jimmy doesn't do that he just stands there like a statue and just gets wallets right so if he's that guy and he's not very mobile and he doesn't move around in the pocket that well you need to get the ball out faster so this is the first time that i was like wow I don't know if they listen to me or not, but this is what we need to do. If we're going to keep Jimmy and you're you're going to have him be your guy, you need to have him get the ball out fast. And so it worked really well in the first half, but then Moster got hurt, and that was an issue. <laughs> so now he's hurt again because he was hurt before. Then he came back, and now he's on the he's probably going to the IR again. So yeah, he's on the that kind of sure. thing, but. <laughs> But overall, yeah. I was happy because it was a win. It gets us back to 500. It's a division win. It gets the Rams a loss. And hopefully it's a sign that, you know, it's not going to be as easy as, as last year. We might not get to the Super Bowl this year, but at least I think we might have enough to make a push. And then, um, so I was happy. I was disappointed because, Coming into this game, this was the real game, and we always play down right. to the Niners. Always play down to the Niners. So as a rival, I'm sitting there, McVay, right. you suck, you know? Like, literally just, I'm like, what are we doing here? You know, defensively, no pressure. You got nothing offensively. Goff is overthrowing. You know, I mean, I mean it was just, like, so mad. And then the, the fact that you guys were playing pretty decent run game ball, controlling the clock, you know, punched us in the mouth early, and I'm thinking to myself, when are these guys going to wake up? And really that's what, the, what it boiled down to, because once you put Kittle you know, on, in space, like you said, it's going to be very hard to stop. 
and it's very hard to stop. And then the run game worked pretty well. And lo and behold, our kicker couldn't even kick the ball in the uprights. Oh, my God. I was just – I was so mad. I, I was like a high blood pressure guy the whole night. I was like, this is just <laughs> pathetic. I think it, Embarrassing was the word. It made a – oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I think the sense would be for us having Mosley back was a big deal. And I almost mm-hmm. feel like your coaching staff saw the Miami game and just was salivating, thinking that they could just throw it downfield all game. But mm-hmm. when we had Mosley back, you weren't able to do that. So it's almost like you didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I think Goff was kind of off and – I think, you know, even though our defensive line is not our defensive line from last year, and they're not going to be considering three of the four guys are, are not going to be there right now. So we're not able to get as much pressure up front this year. We're not going to be able to. And so I was surprised that you didn't run like more like screens or stuff like that. Um I think you kind of had a game plan and didn't have a, a plan B is what it felt like. Well, you know what? Defensively, they they didn't play really good until the third quarter. The last two quarters, we played really right. decent ball for containment. But at the beginning, both sides didn't didn't expect it. Drop balls by Cup, drop balls by Woods, overthrows by Goff, you know, whatever you name it. Uh, the offensive line really right. off, off sync. So there was a lot of negatives for us in terms of, you know what happened, but overall, I mean, this is like an, it was an embarrassing game because we beat the we beat the East, ASC East, which is a horrible division, and the expectation is here's your first game out of the block. This is a division game, right. and you just suck. And I'm like, oh my god. And and to your well, point, the Niners needed this because the Niners really needed right. this win based on the showing of the last couple weeks and the quarterback question, as you mentioned earlier this is really what they needed. And then Moser going down, I was like, okay, he goes down. We're good. Right. We're defensively. We're just going to get over it. Right. And then here you go. Samuels takes over and we get punched them out early and they're more fall behind. And McVay is not a very good adjustment coach. So, I mean, that right. obviously shows when he was in the Super Bowl as well. So once he gets behind, he starts with a panic. Uh, no Mike marked in his blood. It's more like freaking Fisher. And I, I was just like, so mad. Right. I was just irritated at the fact, you know, that they could not come up with a better game plan. Not that the Niners were not a good team. Like you said, the, the Niners literally played ball control, safety net, didn't force mm-hmm. the quarterback to throw and, and make errors, just stuck to what was working and what were the, they were giving them. So it's smart football for, from Shanahan. So that was really good. Um, did you watch the other games? Um, <laughs> the Eagles? <laughs> the Eagles are 1-4-1. Yes. and one. <laughs> And the Ravens barely get out of Philly. I don't know. Uh, how, I don't know how this team is. It's like an up and down team. But it's like, you know, I don't know. You you, you <laughs> thought the Ravens would have blown them out or whatever, but it didn't happen. Well, the Eagles came back at the at the end to to try to make it something, but the Eagles are a big question mark <laughs> because you never oh, yeah. really know what to expect from them. And and Carson Wentz is that guy who can be good, but then sometimes it's kind of like three sets forward, two sets back, three sets sideways with Lance. And, you know, to be fair to him, the Eagles have had a lot of injuries the last two years, too, you know, so I I get that. But I do think that they're still underachieving compared to what they could. 
And I do think if they don't, you know, at least, I mean, like like we were talking about before, like the NFC East is so poor right now that I honestly yeah. have no idea of the four teams who is going to win that division because they're all Dallas so terrible. Win. Dallas and, is going to win. McKenzie tells you Dallas will win. I don't even know now. It, it could be Dallas, but from last night, I I honestly <laughs> – I honestly would probably feel more comfortable putting money on the Eagles, even though they're really inconsistent as hell, because at least I feel that hey, like the Eagles have a little bit. <laughs> well, I feel like the Eagles have a little bit of a fight. They're, they're kind of like, they're kind of like the guy that plays basketball at your local Y who's like, you know, a little overweight, a little older, but he really tries. Don't, don't go there, Holly. Every once That's in a while, he good. gets hot. We have listeners; they probably <laughs> can relate to that. <laughs> and, and, and every once in a while, that guy who like he hasn't uh, he hasn't played in years, but he <laughs> will like throw up threes, like like. Uh, have you played Curry, against some of those like, guys? Seems like you have experience. <laughs> what do you say? Have you played against some of these guys? Because it seems like you're talking from experience. Yeah. I, I actually have. I actually have. Not not like not recently, but yes, I have. Um, and uh, so the Eagles, though, they're they're that team that like you you're like okay, I I want you to do well, but I I you know right now like you can't you can't trust the Giants, you can't trust you know, Washington, and I I sure as hell can't trust the Cowboys who who had every opportunity, like, this should have been their statement game of, hey, you know, we lost Dak, but we're going to, like, at least, they should have at least been competitive in this game to show, hey, we can move forward, you know. And the lack of effort was just appalling to me as a football player. I just, you could see them give up. And I'm like, you're, you, you should never be in a situation where you can tell your teammates are giving up. That's a horrible, horrible feeling, and you should never be in that situation. And they, they have some serious issues. And um, so I, I, I'm not – unless I see some, like, drastic changes in the next couple of weeks, I think I'm going to have to go with the, with the crazy Eagles. <laughs> but we'll yeah. see. It might be – it might uh... be um, – I, I might be playing, like, some Russian roulette with, with this division. I have no idea. I don't think anybody does. The Washington football team? No? I'm just kidding. Well, they have – you know what the thing about Washington is they have a couple, like – their defense is not half bad. They just, sure. They're just a little inconsistent, and they don't really have the offense, you know. Um, I, I think uh, Kyle Allen has – I like Kyle Allen. I think he's solid, um, but I think – I don't know if they have enough around him. Is this the dumpster um, so fire? We'll see how division? that goes. It's got to be the dumpster fire division right now. Out of all the divisions, it is. this has got to be bad, <laughs> including the AFC East. I think in, still in the AFC East, yeah. you still have Buffalo and, and New England that are probably decent, right? right? Besides the Jets. But right. this has got to be the probably the worst right. division in terms of the whole, you know, league at this point because yeah. it's really bad all right um what do you say about the Let's bears talk. holly this bears team you get rid of trubisky you put in Foles, the the guy that tom brady didn't want to shake his hand apparently but he did want to hug aaron Rodgers. so i don't know <laughs> what you say about that but <laughs> maybe some bitterness there uh because he got beat twice or whatever but 
are these bears for real? In other words, can we say their record is there? I mean, they're five and one. They're like right next to the Packers I, here. Yeah, I think that. Yes, yes, and no. I think that the Bears have a really, really, really good defense, and um, you know that's kind of been their identity for for a long time is trying to, to build their defense first. And I think we're going to tell a lot about them in the next couple of games. Because if you look at their record, they beat the Lions, and the Lions are kind of an, uh, they're kind of the Lions. They, they have good moments, and then they have bad moments. And then the Giants are not very good, um, and they beat them. The Falcons, um, you know, are kind of all over the place as well. They lost to the Colts. Um, they beat the Bucks, and they beat the Panthers. So the Bucks and the Panthers are, are two solid wins. But then they play the Rams, the Saints, the Titans. I want to see what they do in these three games and see if they can come up with enough offense. Because right now their defense is, is pretty good, but they're not scoring a whole lot of points, and that's probably why they went mm-hmm. with Bulls. Um, you know, cause, um, because uh, Trubinsky, he was just not consistent at all. And so I think you get no. more consistency with Bulls, but Bulls is not um, – He's not the guy that most of the time is going to win the game for you, but I do think he gives you a better chance to win over to this for sure. Um, so I want to see what they do offensively in the next couple of weeks. But I do think they're heading in the right direction. Um, I'm really interested to see them play the Packers and, and see how that pans out. Do you feel like Bridgewater, I mean, we hype him up, we think he's going to do well, and all of a sudden he – resorts to unproductive scrambles he starts you know throwing interceptions I mean he's got talent he's got playmakers besides uh Christian McCaffrey being out you still have Mike Davis you still have uh, DJ Moore Robbie Anderson so you know Carolina on the Carolina side I think they they have weapons bring in McCaffrey back in a couple weeks hopefully but is this Carolina team just inconsistent or is it the quarterback as an issue um, I think it's both. Carolina is a team that's going through a transition phase. You have, you know, new coaches and uh, new quarterback and, and all that, and it takes some time. I really have a soft spot for Ridgewater. I mean, he's just a nice kid, and he, he went through a very uh, awful injury, and, it, and it's amazing he's gotten himself back on, on the field, and it's great that he's gotten this, this opportunity. I think where he gets into trouble is where he kind of, like you said, he kind of panics sometimes. And mm-hmm. when he panics, he, he tends to make poor decisions. And so I think he kind of needs to trust himself more, trust his team more, and try not to, um, you know, sometimes the best play as a quarterback is to not make the, you don't need to make a touchdown every play. Sometimes the best play is to not make the bad play. So sometimes if you know the play is broken, you have nowhere to go with the ball, it's a better play to get to just throw it away. Or like eat it if somebody's sacking you, you know, and then it's uh, evident that you're going to go down rather than, mm-hmm. being, oh, and then panicking and then throwing it across your body, you know, and then having it picked off or, you know, worse, right? So I think for him um, that might be some maturing, that might be just, him not com- not being comfortable yet in their office, 
Um, but I still am rooting for, for, for Bridgewater. I do think the Panthers have some talent, like you said, but they, they also are going through transition. They're, they have a new coach. They're trying to um, uh, basically to develop their new identity. So I, I'm expecting some growing pains. I think they're talented, but I just don't think this might not be their year yet. But um, if they can build upon this year in a year or two, I think they could be pretty competitive. They're in that division where it's mixture division. So nobody's really a front runner right. right now with the division. You know, Atlanta's kind of horrible. Right. Uh, Tampa Bay, probably the best team out of the division currently. Then you have them as mm-hmm. well. Um, so there's their division might help them out in the long run. I mean, they still, like I said, they do have some talent. If he can put it together and, and just put a streak together, that would be nice. Um, what do you what do you think of these Titans? These Titans are good. Houston, after they get rid of O'Brien, here we are. Uh, Romel Cornell sets up as interim coach. Um, he does uh, back-to-back gut- gutsy calls near the end of the game. One was one worked, one didn't uh, on the fourth down call near the Titans goal line. With uh, I think it was under two minutes to play, he was up 30 to 29. So the decision to go for the touchdown or do the chip field goal, and they would put him up by four, but it paid off. So Watson hits Cooks for a TD to put Houston one and five up uh, 36-29, but these Titans, man, they, they just they, they, they come, they're coming, and they're, they, they're good. I mean, we talked about Derrick Henry last year, and here we are. You know, what's amazing to me is that, you know, Derrick Henry is kind of um, a throwback type of player, right? And we don't see a whole lot of running backs with his style last that long, you know, because he's so physical, and he, he Creates a lot of contact and takes a lot of contact, um, but I've just been what do you mean? amazed he's at the fact people. that he's been. He's literally shoving he people. Is, he's a beast. <laughs> he is a beast, and I really think um, you know their turnaround last year. Uh, everyone wants to give like Tannehill a lot of credit, but I really think it 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 was it was when Derrick Henry was healthy enough to be on the field for an amount of time that he turned the corner. And then what happened is they changed their offense and they were like, okay, we're going to make this simple. We have this guy who is better than anybody else in this league at running the ball in this style. So we're just going to feed him 25 times a game. And that's what they've been doing. They've been winning with old school life football. And then Tannehill will throw when he needs to. But really the effectiveness of Tannehill is tied to the effectiveness of Henry because they do a lot of play action and the defense has to respect the run with, with Derrick Henry. And then Tannehill is able to play off of that. And so I think offensively they, they have one of the reasons why they're so uh, confident is they have their identity. They know exactly who they are. And so I think, um, you know, the Texans, it was, it was good to see them have a bit more fight. Um, you know, considering the disastrous start that they have had. Um, and I'm really curious to see what the Texans do the rest of the year and if they're able to kind of refine their uh, offensive identity. It seems like when they sent uh, Hopkins away, their their offense, was, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know who they were anymore. And um, well, four, four so, you know, up, I think the Titans – 123 yards. And then yeah. uh, Watson also stepped up yeah, four great. touchdowns. So it's kind of re- 
you, you know, Holly, we talked about it like last year and the year before where you got a, a coach gets fired for whatever reason, and then all of a sudden the interim comes comes in and it's, it gives everybody new life, right? It's it's either yeah. just be, maybe maybe it's toxic to your point before where you get a locker room that gets toxic and they just don't have the winless to play anymore for whatever reason, and then you got a brand new coach comes right. in and it kind of revitalizes everybody to do better or something. Right. It's kind of, it's kind of psychological. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what the dynamic was before the change, you know, but I think as a player, when you're losing and you feel like, oh man, here we go again. It's another week and nothing's changing. And you feel like um, the people that are coaching are not making any changes to make anything better than it kind of wears on you. So then when you have the change of that position, you're like, oh, like, you know, you might not necessarily win the Super Bowl, but you feel like this is a, this is a fresh start. This is a chance that we can kind of re, you know, set our, our season a bit and try to figure out who we are. And so I think that that psychologically does give you a push because you're like, oh, things are changing. Maybe we can, maybe we can pick some things. So uh, I think that's what you see. What do you say of Atlanta? Same situation almost. Um, here we are. They needed a change. The Arthur Blank finally makes the change. They, you know, fires Quinn. So offensive story of the game against uh, Minnesota, Ryan and Julio Jones. I mean, who knew, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just do what you got to <laughs> do. But, uh, I mean, they they weren't doing that before. So, same thing. It's a it's a combination of what we were saying uh, with the Texans of like you have a a new lease on life because you have that change and then it's also kind of old school like the Titans of okay who are our best players let's get them the ball and that's what they did you know they kind of simplified it because you're not going to recreate the wheel um, or create a whole new scheme in, in one game right so the, they're they're making it they're going back to their fundamentals and their roots of who are the best people on the field let's get them the ball. And, you know, Julio Jones is getting older, but he's still really good. So if I had him on the team and I, and I was a quarterback, I would be throwing him the ball all day too. And so I think um, it was a great win for them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their offense going forward as well. Last week, uh, the Twitter fanfare for the Falcons wanted Ryan traded. Let's get rid of Matt Ryan. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here you go, Matt Ryan, three of four, uh, thirty of forty for almost three hundred and seventy yards, four touchdowns, right? Gets the first win of the season. So I'm assuming one and five feels a lot better than zero and six for any diehard Falcon fan right now. Oh, for sure. And I think for Matt Ryan, I think the tough thing for him is he he's always going to be tied to the Falcons, um, I guess, streak of blowing a lot of leads, you know, he's always going to be tied to that. I don't know if that's exactly 100% fair or not, but, you know, I think when it comes to, like, the Texans, they were having an identity crisis, and I think the Falcons were having a psychological crisis where they, it's almost like they could not get that Super Bowl loss off of them. And so I think for them, they're like, oh, finally we can kind of breathe and, and, and try to create a new direction. And so I think Matt Ryan has always been very talented, but I think like the rest of the Falcons, he's had this like cloud over his head since that Super Bowl that he hasn't been able to, to, to kind of get out from under. 
Um, so hopefully, you know, this change will give him a new lease on life and, and he'll be able to continue to, to uh, do well. Now, on the other side, the Vikings really relying on Davin Cook on the ground game. So, you know, without Davin Cook, I mean, you throw it to Thielen, and literally he's just one weapon besides this little this kid, uh, Jefferson. But overall, the uh, the running game for the, the, the Vikings was not even there. So this is a problem for them. They go down, I think, uh, what was it, 20 to 0, literally at the beginning there. I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, they got issues in Minnesota. I mean, they got to figure out how they're going to have a running game to balance out with Cousins because, you know, Cousins, right, you, you force Cousins to throw and it is not pretty. You know, it's really interesting because um, the Niners have been rumored, uh, Shane Hansen rumored to always like Kirk Cousins, and he is kind of similar to Jimmy in that you he needs to have a running game because he's just not very good in the pocket when all the rush is coming at him. The defense doesn't have to honor the run. Uh, you know, I think Kirk is a bit more mobile than Jimmy, but he's the same type of player in that that's not his comfort zone. And so what works really well with the Vikings is Dalvin Cook because, you know, Dalvin, I think, in my opinion, I think he's the best running back in, in football just from the standpoint of everything he can do. Um, and without having that threat, the defense can be like, okay, I don't need to worry about that. I mean, Todd Gurley, you know, um, had a really good game for, for Atlanta, right, on the other side. So they don't – the Vikings don't have that. They don't have that second right. guy, I don't think, that could really be that Todd Gurley second guy if your first guy goes out. I think that they have a backup that actually kind of looks similar to the Hubble Cook. They were very similar in statue and, like, their body shape. Um, but he's not Delvin Cook, right? So I think the Vikings need a, a second running back that might be a physical guy like a Todd Gurley as a change of pace guy when Delvin is healthy. And if he's not healthy, that you still have that, that run threat. Um, but I will say it's really exciting to watch um, Justin Jefferson he was one of the other receivers in the draft that I was really hoping the Niners would get because he is just a very solid, solid um, receiver. And he's a, he's a deep threat, um, but he's also very consistent. And so I think Justin Jefferson is going to be a star for the Vikings. Um, as long as they have somebody that can get him the ball, I think he's going to have a great career there. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's the key uh, for them. And Minnesota has to have some sort of run game in order for them to be make a difference at all, in order for even to stay in matchups at all. I mean, they struggled against, uh, uh, I think it was in San Francisco, if I'm if I recall right, struggled against the, uh, the Niners. Or I'm sorry, Seattle. That's what I meant to say. Seattle, yeah. they struggled against Russell Wilson, giving him the ball like 30 something seconds. How do you do that? You don't you don't give what? Russell Wilson the ball <laughs> with 30 seconds right. left. It just doesn't work out very good for you in the end. I, I don't care, you know, what good of a defense you got. But um, what about Tampa Bay taking care of Green Bay? I had Rodgers on all my lineups on FanDuel, and I'm like, I'm so disappointed. I mean, I, they just let me down. These Packers, I thought, hey, they're going to come in. They're going to score some points. And, and here you go, Tom Brady scored 38 on, straight unanswered to just put <laughs> – 
uh, to bury these uh, Packers. You know, it's basically the same, different year, same story for for the Packers, right? So last year they were thirteen and three. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, mm-hmm. it's so great!" But then they they played the Niners twice, and the Niners absolutely destroyed them. It it, it was it was probably a bit worse than the game against the, it was embarrassing uh, the for uh, and for Rodgers to come home. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really it was really bad, right? And so you're thinking like logically, off. okay? So yeah, so thinking back. To, to last year, right? The Packers had a good record. They they seem to be a good team. There's no way that you should be that good of a team according to your record and get just destroyed by another team like that, right? And so you're like, well, what? What? why is this happening? And if you look at what happened last year, it was the fact that the defensive line for the Niners was able to get pressure on Rodgers up the middle, right? They He was just getting hit all over the place, right? And so what happens with the Packers is that last year, their big weakness was they could be pretty much 80, 85% of the teams in the league. But when they faced the 10 to 15% that had a really good defensive line, they struggled. And the reason why mm-hmm. they struggled is because they don't have the, they only have like one down the field receiver, number one, that, um, that uh, Rodgers can rely on when he gets that pressure. And they didn't do anything in the offseason to fix that. And so I I was really – that's why I said uh, going into this game that I was like, you know what, I want to see the backers play somebody with a defensive line because until that happens, I don't trust them yet. And sure enough, the exact thing happened this year that happened last year. They had the same exact problem. Uh, they do not handle a good, uh, good defensive Brady line well. just literally started oh, yeah. tearing them apart. I mean, just uh, you could see it, right? Brady like tearing them apart. Yeah. They were just like, here we go. And then once, once uh, that defensive line, you know, and that, uh, and then the secondary picked up and, and had those two picks. Once that momentum shifted, you could see the Packers just go, oh no, here we go again. And then Tom Brady's like, okay, you want to give me two picks? One of them to pick six, and you want to you want to spot mm-hmm. me all those points. Okay, all right, great, let's go. And then once once zero, that happened, zero sacks he was for just an That was surprising considering he yeah. was pissed off the week before. Remember when he lost to Foles? He was right. not a happy camper. And this year he's he's kept right. upright. Then he starts to really just tear him down. And then Gronkowski shows up. Of all, you know, oh. finally shows up here. And um, so yeah, I mean the Bucks. Uh, they did a really good job. They, you know, they kept their quarterback line really good. And like you said, once a um, Rogers got down, it was kind of a panic mode for the Packers because nothing was really productive except for their tight end, which is Tanyan. And so there's big questions over the Packers. Four and one, are they for real? And, and to your point from last year, surely not as as as, as we think they they are. But uh, Green Bay, you know, they were beating up bad teams, kind of like the Rams taking. Uh, you know, the right. four and two record that we've got now, literally, you know, taking care of some weak teams and here you are, you faced your first division rival and you and you just get pounded, embarrassed. So here here's Tampa Bay doing oh. the same thing. Yeah, you know, with with the Packers it's and you could see it, you know, when um uh when Rogers and uh, Sue got into it, you could just see like that the Bucks they knew. 
they knew that they needed to get at Rodgers. Because if you get at Rodgers, they don't have anything else. I, I mean, I really like Aaron Jones, the, the running back, but I, you know what goes through Aaron Rodgers. And, and they were able to get in his head, and they knocked him around, and they, they felt really good doing it. So it's going to be um, interesting to see what the Packers do going forward. I still think they're going to be a good team. I think that they're probably going to make the playoffs, and what's going to happen is they're going to face another team with a defensive line and get knocked out. Because in, unless they can prove otherwise, they haven't solved that problem. And uh, uh, we'll see, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath so far. Now, Holly, for you out, Pittsburgh, the defense is starting to mature, and they're for real. So the, the Steelers are 5-0. and so pretty aggressive. They were up against the ball. They had a great, um, you know, great matchup. Mayfield, you know, once he gets pressured, he's pretty lousy. I mean, based on his stats and everything, uh, he's not a very good quarterback. If they ever, if, once they start hunting him down, he was sacked five times. Um, so it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, Tomlinson just said, hey, uh, you know, take the wolves and just run the wolves, right? Because this kid's not going to do anything. And they figure that out. Yeah. And the Browns are banged you know, up. Anyways, coming in. The Steelers are a team that they had a really horrible injury year last year, you know, and they, they um, almost made a run of it at the end. Um, and so, but you knew going into this year that their defense was still very talented. Um, I think so far, if you look at their, their record, they're 5-0. and but they've, they've played not very good teams so far before the Browns. They've played the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles, and then the Browns. I think the Browns are a team that are improved from last year, and they, they might be in to the playoffs, but I don't know if they're ready to take that next step yet. So with the Steelers, I'm interested to see the next two weeks. We play the Titans and the Ravens. So I think we're going to really kind of figure out who the Steelers are in those two games. Um, I do think they're going to be in the playoffs. I do think their defense is great. Um, but I want to see them against better competition. All right. So that's a, some of the week uh, week seven games matchups here um, that we kind of took a look at. Um, the pretty awesome game that's going to come up here. <laughs> it's going to be Thursday night. Uh, it's going to be the Giants. And I believe the Giants and <laughs> Philadelphia. So... <laughs> We talked about that interesting game. Yep. Um, so it, it, hopefully one of them will get a win. We know one of them is going to get a win. <laughs> and they stay in that competitive mm-hmm. uh, NFC East matchup. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay takes on the you Raiders. Know? Tom Brady against the Raiders. So that should be interesting on Sunday night. You know, I'm excited for that game because I think the Raiders are a much improved team. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that they can – I think they can give the, the Bucks a run. Um, I also am excited. Um, there's also um, a few good games this week, actually. You have uh, the, the Steelers and Titans game that we talked about before. That's going to be a key mm-hmm. game for the AC. Um, the Panthers and the Saints are both teams that um, are in the NFC but are trying to fight for wild card type spots. Um and then the Seahawks-Cardinals game is going to be a huge, huge game. Um, I don't know, as a Rams fan, which one you want to lose more. But as a Niners fan, I want them both to lose. So maybe a tie would be okay. 
Um, facing my and wife. And my night is for the Patriots. So at home, there's there's a, it's divided, and there's no way right. she's gonna want to like <laughs> lose to me. You know what I mean? She'd rather have the beat down. Uh, uh, Nick Foles beat us down. She already said that this week. She said it yesterday. She goes, "Are you waiting to get your, your ass kicked on Monday night?" And I'm like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> but that's what she said. We know it's. You know what's funny, Oscar, is that the Niners play the Patriots, and the Patriots are my wife's team. So we both have, you know, spouse rival games happening. So I am social distancing <laughs> completely the whole day. I'm going to be like six feet. You're going to be in the other room, watching a different TV. <laughs> exactly. But no, she said it. She's like, she's happy because this is like a huge start for Chicago, even though it's probably not that. You know, you can't be hyped on it, but hey, four and one, she'll take it, as she said, right? Oh yeah, I think it's going to be a great uh, game. I think, um, I think for the Rams playing a defense like the Bears is going to be challenging, and I think for the Bears trying to be able to put up uh, enough points to compete with the Rams is, is going to be hard as well. So I think it's um, it's a playoff level type of game you know I think both teams are, are, are solid teams so that should be a really good game I think yeah I'm looking forward to it um and like you said the other matchups that you mentioned earlier uh during the afternoon on Sunday is going to be really really awesome too there's a lot of key matchups in some of the conferences the the south like you said out in the west um so really interesting I mean the Thursday night could be I don't know something of a snooze fest but or it could be where maybe the Giants and Jones really start to evolve because Wentz is kind of up and down. And so we'll see how, you know, what the battle is on Thursday. So, all right, Ali, thank you for coming in, giving us perspective on college football. Thank you. Uh, we got the, the NFL week seven, the perspective of, you know, of your Niners beating down my Rams, of course. Um, and so mm-hmm. we're looking forward to this weekend. So this weekend, Thursday night, Giants, Philly. I know Amanda Kangeli is going to want to have that win. And then uh, Tampa Bay against the Raiders. And then we have uh, my Rams taking on the Bears. So it's going to be really exciting. So we'll catch you here next week. Uh, thanks again for all the insights. and coming All right. In. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. That was the Hall of Famer, uh, Holly Custis, coming in here, giving us perspective in terms of the college football scene, the matchup this weekend. Um, and then we got the NFL Went through week seven here, week eight. Got Mackenzie Brooks coming in here in a little bit. We're going to be talking <laughs> the Cowboy Massacre, uh, Arizona taking care of Dallas and what we can do there. We had Kansas City um, taking down Buffalo as well, as well as we just talked about the Niners putting out a, a good showing against the Rams here. Uh, on, the Rams on the road losing to San Francisco. Uh, just want to invite you guys over to – monkeyknifefight.com. You can sign up right now. It's uh, for new players. You sign up and deposit. You'll receive a bonus, 100% match of your deposit up to $50. So the bonus is in a form of a free bet. Minimum deposit, $10, and you get one month to play on it. Place your bets and win a few extra dollars watching your favorite teams and with major sports. Easy pick, an event from any sport. You choose it. I strongly recommend checking it out at monkeyknifefight.com use code njf njf no joke football and if you want to get away from the usual 
lineup building and daily fantasy sports platforms like uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. Check it out, monkeyknifefight.com, and get started today with code NJF. All right. So we're going to be waiting for uh, Mackenzie Brooks to jump on here in a couple minutes. Um, so if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, you can go to TuneIn, Googlecast, Player FM. You can go to uh, globalwomensportsradio.com. Uh, you can always catch us here on Block Talk Radio. But I want to just give a shout-out to uh, Sammy Grisafi and Stephanie Ponzer. Last week's podcast, 342, really, really awesome bump for us on Apple Podcasts as well as on iHeart, and uh, we're trending pretty well on Spotify. So if you haven't checked out our podcast in the last 60 days, I really encourage you to do it. Uh, we have some great interviews, uh, 338 with the IWFA I-8 uh, project that's going to happen, exhibition in 2021. That is the 8-on-8 competition in women's arena football. Rod Green in the house here explaining to us how that's going to work. We also had episode 337 with the talented Tishay Winfrey, who's going to be involved with that I-8, including WFLA 3-6, Coach Devin Jones, and kind of breaking down that competition between the WFA, uh, Sin City Trojans, and the Austin Ravens of the IWFA. Then we had 3-3-5 with Coach Anthony Stone with all the books, back-to-basics books. You can get them there at anthonystonefootball.com, and you can go to Coach Football, Coach Anthony, CoachStoneFootball.com. Get that latest there. You can check it out at 335. 334, if you missed it, Terrence Haywood in the house as well, checking us out and giving us the lowdown of the IWFA and what's expected in 2021. Episode 332, Chris Sacco, giving us the Utah Girls Football League COVID-19 season recap. Then we had the talented and beautiful Michelle Marshall in the house, uh, episode 331, as her Austin Ravens won the 2020 IWFA championship including uh, 330 with the recap of what's everything that's happened in the WFA with Win Domini. And then we also have 328 way back, very Lieberman. What an amazing uh, born to play the documentary, one of our highest rated uh, podcasts ever in our 10 year history. Uh, so, and then Angelica Grayson as, as well, talking NAIA college flag. And you go back 325, Adrian Smith and 324, Sherry Waga and Daniel Harvey are top two, um, almost two to three uh, listener uh, podcasts ever on our podcast. So shout out to Adrian Smith, Sherry Waga, and Daniel Harvey for uh, giving us that vibe and giving us that rating on Spotify, Apple, and iHeart. And so check it out. Don't forget, subscribe uh, on all your favorite platforms, iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. And I really, really appreciate you guys for giving us that high five rating, bringing uh, attention to women's American football. That's what we do weekly, Tuesday nights, and that's where we're at. The best podcast talking about women's American football weekly and NFL news as well as college football. It's right here, and you're listening to it on Block Talk Radio, our flagship. So thanks to our new sponsor, monkeyknifefight.com. Check them out. Like I said, monkeyknifefight.com. Use code NJF. Let's bring in the salty one here, and we're going to be talking about uh, Mackenzie. We've got to talk about Dallas, Arizona. Uh, I know you were on everywhere last night and probably felt almost as bad as I did with the beatdown of my Rams from the Niners, but uh, not a great night for either of us. Look, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real, Oscar. 
You know, I'm a realist. I'm also a Dallas fan, and 90% of my fan base are not realists. I'm also a player, so that keeps me a realist. Dallas is trash right now. Dallas is trash right now across the board, offensively, defensively, and special teams, and coaching. Uh, Dallas needs to get it together, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray, number one, is one of the best players in the NFL. I don't care if this is his second league or not, and anybody, I will debate that with anybody anytime, any, any place, anytime. I don't care. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are a team that Dallas needs to look to model themselves after at this point in time because the Arizona Cardinals have literally come from being the being a couple one of the teams one of the bum teams in the NFL to one of the teams to look out to go to playoffs and then and even to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean. Kyler Murray literally literally made Dallas's defense, which is which is normally known to having for having a hard hitting, you know, well covering defense, to making them look like elementary school players. That's exactly what happened last night. Um, and Ezekiel Elliott, at this point, I don't care what anybody says, and I'll argue at this with anybody else as well. Ezekiel Elliott is not worth no ninety million freaking dollars at this point. He's playing like he don't even care. He got paid. And what do now you he's mean? Like, okay. What do you mean? He's he's getting big bucks. What are you talking about? He's there. Well, and that's that's great. You can get big bucks, but if you're not if you're not producing like you like you deserve those big dollars, then what am I paying you for? What what am I paying you ninety million dollars for if you can't even if you can't produce yards, if you can't get touchdowns, if you're not producing positively on the offensive side of the ball? And I'm not really gonna pick on Andy Dalton too much because this is his first start, his full first actual full start as a Dallas Cowboy since we've lost Dak Prescott. Everybody that, that watches football and, and watches the daily sporting news knows what happened to Dak Prescott. We don't have Dak Prescott until probably this time next year, maybe a little bit before. So the team needs to get on board with the, with the Andy Dalton train and start supporting him and start, you know, making him feel like, you know, he's a part of this team. That's it's because last night there was none of that. There was no team camaraderie. There was no, there was no none of that. They need to get on board and get their heads out of their behinds and start playing some freaking football, period. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, you know, the, uh, the Dallas on – they just collapsed. They just didn't have any fight in them. By him, does not do justice, considering the fact that they're in the mode where they lose their quarterback, their main quarterback. Dalton's talented. I don't know if McCarthy is going to be good enough to revamp the system to, you know, facilitate that to make him a better quarterback. So I don't know. There was a, there was a joke on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but there's McCarthy, which is the the family guy, and then he's got a Denny's, you know, menu. And they were saying this is what this is the play call yesterday, the whole night. So that was yeah. Funny. I saw but that. Anyways. And- People are bogus for that because they did the same thing to Andy Reid, and Andy Reid got him in a Super Bowl championship right now. So that's true. I mean, right. it's just like I said, it's just it's really, it's, and they need to get back to fundamentals. They need to stop trying to right. make everything a freaking highlight. Not everything's going to be a highlight. If you do your job, you might end up on the highlight reel. Like that's what needs right. to happen. And the sooner they realize that, the sooner they'll go realize like the sooner they're going to play better. And the saddest part about this whole entire thing, Oscar, is that. The Dallas Cowboys are literally sitting at the top of the NFC East right now. And the NFC East in it, as a whole is also up trash. At the top? Man, even Amanda Kengeldi wasn't happy with that result. She's angry. She's an Eagles fan. Well, and for Eagles fans, Eagles fans have every right to be upset. But 
y'all also have a tie on your record. That's why you're not tied for first or you know in a higher spot. You guys are one, y'all are one four and one. <laughs> I mean, that's not oh, much, I got to invite, like invite her on. I got to invite her on so you guys can just go toe to toe in this dumpster fire division. <laughs> she don't want these problems. I'm more angry than she is. I promise. Oh my god. All right. Um, anyways, you're not happy of the outcome. Is that what it boils down to here? Is that what your analysis is? Pretty much. So I mean, <laughs> at this point, if we want to keep this top spot that we keep, you know. For some reason, Dallas fans are super excited. Oh, my God, we're at the top of the e- NFC East. Hi, the NFC East is the laughing stock of the entire freaking NFL right now. I don't think people realize that. I think the sooner fans realize that, the sooner the Dallas Cowboy players and staff will realize that, and the sooner Jerry Jones will get somebody's behind and say, we need to get better, and people are going to start losing their jobs, losing their stuff, stuff like that. I think the only one that isn't really in that position right now is Andy Dalton because he ain't played but a game and one snap at quarterback. So you're you're giving Dalton a pass for this game and I'm, analyzing it going I'm giving, forward. I'm giving, I'm giving Dalton a pass for the next two games. Right. If I don't see some improvement from him as well, right. it's pretty much you can pretty much count That's the Dallas fair. Cowboys in <laughs> for the first uh, draft pick next year. Sure. I mean, that's a fair. I mean, that's fair. You're going to give him uh, three weeks. That's fine. I mean, see if he turns it around next week and what he does in, you know, in a couple weeks, that's fine. And he's got the – the only advantage he has is what? That the division sucks. So he's got an opportunity to put two games in a row, and you guys are really going to stand out, given everybody else is playing pretty bad too. So, um, so exactly. you know, the division is there for, for the taking. You get a nice little win streak, you should be there. Um, I just talked to Holly right now, McKenzie. Uh, these Steelers were dominant against these injured-prone Browns, but they get Derrick Henry and the Titans this week. So may they be tested? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. Nobody is stopping Derrick Henry. I don't care who you are. You could be the jolly green damn giant. Did you see the show? Godzilla. You, like, you ain't literally beating, just you're manhandling like the Hulk. Just like the Hulk. He's like tearing people just to the side. It's brutal. I'm just like, I'm on her side. I'm like, is anybody going to hit him? Is anybody going to at least knock him off his freaking path? Answer is so far, nope. <laughs> I mean, it's brutal. It's just brutal. It's not like defenses aren't getting good looks and good angles on them because that's not the case. The teams that he has played for the most part have been like they have good angles, they have you know good fundamentals as far as breaking down your tackle, you know, uh, shoulder first in your head pads, you know, the fundamentals, but. Derrick Henry literally just makes these – he's literally a, a man against boys. Like, that's what this is. I don't care what nobody's saying. Y'all can argue with me any time, any play, any day. I don't care. Derrick Henry is a man against boys at this point because I, I don't see anybody beating the Titans, which irritates my life because I have a lot of Tennessee fan friends like that are Vol fans and that are uh, Tennessee Titans fans that they're just on top of the world right now because their NFL team is kicking ass and they're just like – Ooh, yeah, you know, the Titans and everything. And I'm just like, I'm like, I don't see y'all getting off nobody's high horse for a while. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and oh, yeah. Hill is playing his, his ass off as well. <laughs> I'm like, Tannehill's kind of like, happy okay, that but... he left Miami. <laughs> it's like, it oh, looks yeah. like well, that was a good fit was, for him, you know? And, well, absolutely. Well, and it's just like, it's just like I said about the Cardinals. You know, it's, 
Sure. You know, the Cardinals came from being, you know, being being one of the dregs of the NFL, and now they're one of the the, the top 10, 15 teams, just like Tennessee. The Tennessee has literally built themselves since Derrick Henry got drafted there, and now look at them. They're five and zero, six and zero. Derrick Henry is, I'm pretty sure, the leading rusher in the NFL. I think he's also up there in uh, leading. Um, Pass after catches, um, yard passing yards after catch, uh, right up there with uh, CMC Christian McCaffrey, who's also nobody to mess with. Um, he's just on a team that literally doesn't care, um, and I wish that he was on the so team that actually Tennessee cares. Pitt, right? So you're taking yes. Tennessee against Pitt. Yes, Is that what I'm saying here? Absolutely. You're taking absolutely. Henry and the Henry Show taking on uh, yeah the Henry the, Show uh, the Steelers. So this is going to be the yeah, I think this is the real test for Pittsburgh, and then this is going to be the maybe if you put the AFC playoffs in, in your head right now, this could be the top team in the AFC right now, as it stands right now. I, even though we don't want to disrespect the Steelers, but at this point everybody's got the Steelers as what, number one ranked pretty much all the way around. So, uh, yeah. you know, Titans probably coming in here with a little bit of distaste in their mouth, right, because they're not getting the respect. So maybe that's what they'll Absolutely. do. Absolutely, and, um, and I think that's why they're going to come in there and beat the living crap out of them is because everybody always has this year literally has disrespected Tennessee. Like quite literally everybody has underestimated them, myself included, because I'm just like, like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of turnover. I don't think there's going to be a lot of retention. And I was wrong. And I'm definitely, I'm fully willing to admit that. Like for all intents and purposes, hell, I'm a band, I'm a bandwagon Tennessee fan at this point. I ain't even going to lie to you. <laughs> like, I'm I love Henry. You, but... Henry's good. He reminds me like an old oh, yeah. Stephen Jackson in his in his prime, Absolutely. just tearing people up. Absolutely. So the yep. Tennessee fans, like you said, they should be stoked right now. They're they're on a high. They they go they they get this win against the Steelers. It's really going to cement them as the AFC favorite, and maybe they'll start getting noticed, you know, on the networks and start getting some spotlighting on here. Um, we got Seattle coming off that bye against uh, against the Cardinals. So um, I guess you want to say the Seahawks, uh, they better hope their defense gets it together here. Otherwise, they're going to have last-minute mm-hmm. games like they did this past weekend. And Minnesota, of all teams, I mean, you don't give Russell Wilson the ball under a minute. What, what, were you, what kind of management were you doing there? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. But anyways, there we are. So Seattle's for real. Uh, Kansas City went into Buffalo and pounded the football. Something you didn't expect at all, but still they they get back to checking it around, which is what they do. So they're they're five and one. Then you got the Ravens, uh, really good win. You know, they're five and one heading into the bye, so they got to be feeling good. It's if you're Baltimore, staying competitive with Tennessee, the Steelers, and all that. So that's that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, you know this this entire week for football slate across the entire gridiron globally and nationally um, is there's going to be a lot of either upsets or blowouts. I haven't quite decided which one is going to be yet. I'm leaning more toward the blowouts and one or two upsets, but well, you know, like I just said on, on the other podcast I was on in a group in one of my sports groups is that anybody that's played sports before, whether it's football, basketball, fencing, polo, you know, modeling a dress, knows that anything can happen on any given sporting weekend period. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you, especially right now. 
this is going to be the big test for the AFC because the Steelers get the Titans, and then right after that, they get the Ravens. Big two weeks for, for, Fitz, for Pittsburgh to come through if they want to make a statement somehow. Then we go 7-0. and If they take care of the Titans, and then they take care of their own in-division rival. But the Ravens are 5-1 and one heading into their bye, so then they get the Steelers right after that. So it's going to be a good matchup in the week after. Um, Mackenzie, are the Bears for real? They're at 5-1. and one. Nick Foles beats Tom Brady. Here we go. Gets going. Do, do, can we give them their props now, or do they have to beat down my Rams on Monday night to really start talking about maybe that they're for real? Oh, no, you, you have to give respect to the fact that they're 5-1. and one, And you also have to give respect to, to Slick Nick over there. Slick Nick and Nick Fultman. And I feel for that guy. Like, he's been, he doesn't been shift around, like, so many, so many teams McKenzie, in the last two, three, four, five years. What is Brady doing? He hugs Rodgers this week, but he didn't want to shake Foles' hand. <laughs> Almost like... Uh, okay, oh, no. probably not a COVID. You know, football players are moody. You know what I mean? What's you know, up with that? Football players are moody. You know, football uh. players are moody. It's just that's just a that's just a part of the game. Sometimes one game you could be like, oh, you know, great sportsmanship. You know, let's shake hands. And then one game you could be like, no, nah, I ain't even trying to look at you, fam. You know, like <laughs> that's just sometimes it'd be like that. And I think these guys have been, you know, obviously have been playing long enough and in a, in a big time league to know that most of the time and there's no offense to it. Um, unless there's already a prior beef. Um, Mackenzie, I just talked to Holly. You're probably one of the happy people that day besides your Dallas de- depression, but uh, Tom Brady somehow bounces back from this Chicago loss and just tears apart these Packers. It's just not – it wasn't pretty. So I don't know what happened <laughs> to them in Tampa. Look, you know what I mean? I'm going to pull a Stephen A. That was a disaster. Everybody knows that Stephen A. Everybody knows that Stephen A. hates Dallas, and I'm the Stephen A. of the Green of the Green Bay Packers. I can't stand the Green Bay Packers. Oh, <laughs> man, you were shoving stuff in your mouth, right? You were like laughing at. <laughs> I was, I was sure thinking was. about. Look, look when, I, when I saw, because I only caught you know bits and pieces of that game, but what I did see, and once I watched this, the final score, I said, <laughs> I said the Chiefs got humbled today. And, and of course, I had cheeseheads in my inbox. I had cheeseheads on my status, but I, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't really see anything. Oh. No, nobody really like tried to come after me. I'm like, that's because y'all know you don't. You're have only on one say. group on Facebook, so it wasn't like you're running your mouth on various groups, right? <laughs> just no, just on my own personal page, and I don't. I, I welcome all salt. Okay, I am the empress of salt and sassiness. I welcome it. <laughs> And so did Tom Brady because apparently he was pissed off that Nick Mo- Nick <laughs> Nick Foles beat his ass down the week before. So he was like, oh, "I'm yeah, taking down." Wasn't it. I'm taking down the so-called goat, <laughs> the cheese goat. And there we go, thirty-eight Ooh. unanswered. Just, just crazy. Thirty-eight to ten or fifteen or whatever it was. <clears throat> <laughs> Have a stick, hey, you know, a- a- Ron. you know, Tom. When Tom gets pissed off, he doesn't lose back-to-back games. And I guess Rogers no, was fam. the. Rogers with the slap mode. <laughs> they get up early and then they just collapsed, <laughs> and then they get a spanking right there. Just, he starts tearing them apart mm-hmm. defensively. Just it was just like crazy. Oh yeah, you know I, hell, I was enjoying it. I was I was literally soaking it in, and I still am. Man, I was. In fact, I was, I was laughing. Game. 
Yeah. I was I was laughing because I was like thinking Mackenzie's just having a whale of a time right now. Oh my god, that was that was good. Um, what do we say with these Browns? You know, a year ago we were hyping them up. This year, change of change of plays. We 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 put Callie Branson in there as well, and <laughs> Mayfield somehow is not doing very well here. And the Steelers take care of business here, and they get whacked by the Steelers basically. Um, injuries everywhere. Uh, it's just bad luck. I guess these Ohio teams are just not really <laughs> not really good. You know. I love me some Cali. Cali is one is somebody I look up to. But Cali, girl, I need, I need to get your team together. Like, I mean, you have Jarvis Landry, you have Nick Chubb, you have Odell Beckham Jr. And you only target Odell Beckham Jr. four times. And I think it would be okay. I think Odell would be okay with a, like four targets a game if y'all were winning. But y'all not winning. I mean, and that's not that's not to say that. You know, your team doesn't have camaraderie and all that stuff, but that's Odell Beckham Jr. He's one of the best football players on planet Earth. But, you know, he can't showcase his talent and he can't contribute to the team if he's only getting, you know, if he's only getting four targets a game and we're losing. You know, it's the same thing with Jarvis Landry or Nick Chubb. If I'm only getting, you know, two, three, four, five carries, you know, maybe and a half, maybe in a game, and we're losing – I can't be satisfied with that. If I'm getting that same amount of carries and we're winning and we're, you know, defense is on point and offense is on all cylinders and, you know, special teams and we're doing our thing over here on special teams, I can't be mad if we're winning, but that means I'm not producing enough to help the team. So if I'm Odell Beckham Jr., if I'm Jarvis Landry, if I'm Nick Chubb, I'm angry as hell. I'm angry as hell. And it all boils down to, at this point, Baker. Baker Mayfield seems to be the running component of losses and faults for reasons as to why the Browns keep losing. No, I agree. I think you you have you hit it on the nail right there. Pretty pretty valid point um, on that. I mean, they they got to get it together somehow. I mean, you you know, as we go deeper into the season, everybody's going to have injuries. Everybody's going to be injured. Everybody's going to have some sort of a drawback. It's just the way you administer yourself and how you patch it up together. Um, I'm looking forward to this Cardinals Seattle. Wilson Murray, looking forward to this. This is great. Uh, it's going to be a great game, big West Division matchup. Uh, do you think the Cardinals muster up and take care of Seattle here? Two straight wins for them. You know, I do. I think, I don't know, and I don't know what it is, but I have a really good hankering that, that Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake and Larry Fitzgerald are going to what I'm not going to say what the floor, but they're going to give Seattle a run for their money. And I think they're going to pull it off by three points because that's how tight this game is going to be. Yeah. If they can keep Russell, you know, like Minnesota didn't, if they can keep Russell minimized, the all that, they have a shot. They're going to have a shot. Um, are you a believer of these Las Vegas Raiders taking on Tom Brady on Monday night? Ooh. Man, see, the, the the Vegas Raiders, I don't know how I feel about them. Like, I don't think they're terrible, but I don't think they're, oh, my gosh, like I have to watch them every weekend. But I have been watching them. I'm still kind of on the fence. And you're, you're, you're going into a game playing the GOAT, TB12. You're going into a game playing one of the GOATs or the tight ends. 
and Rob Gronkowski. You know, you're playing, you know, Mike Evans, Tristan Wirfs, like that whole entire damn team is full of just, <laughs> uh, like, immaculate talent. Now, on the flip side, the, the Raiders also have talent in its own, especially with Josh Jacobs. You know, and Derek Carr, mm-hmm. when he can be on all Austin. All, you got Austin Waller. Players. When you got Jacob Waller yep. too, so they're mm-hmm. so they're, they they got weapons. If they want to use them correctly. Nope. They got weapons. Yeah. So I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna beat um, TB12 in those in those bucks. I just I don't see it happening. I see them keeping up with them. You know, seven points, three points, maybe. I don't see them beating Tom Brady. Um, I just, I, I just don't see it. But like I said, do you feel like happen this is the, uh, the Nick Foles effect on Brady? Do you feel like this is the Nick Foles effect? And from now, from going forward here, it, he's on, he's on a pissed off mode. Thinking this, you this know, is, and that very well could be because we all know, we all know when Tom Brady messes up. You know, when he knows that he's messed up, or you know, or he knows that he's not playing sound football, everybody plays for it. His team, the coaching staff, himself, and then he come around. And the next week, take it out on somebody else, and that's exactly what happened to Green Bay. Unfortunately, Green Bay just couldn't keep up with them. <laughs> like you really couldn't. Period. So, what do you think? You think the Raiders have to be leery of TB12 because it could be three in a row for him as they get to this week, to the week against them on Monday night. So, um, playing pretty well. What do we say to the Patriots, Mac? Losing to the Broncos, big deal? No big deal? At this point, even with all the COVID issues that they've had? COVID aside, and that's for both teams. This is both for the Patriots and the Broncos. I think COVID aside, um, I think the Patriots should be concerned. I don't think they should worry, you know, and, you know, add more stress as to what is our football team about. What people, what the Patriots need to realize is they've just lost two of their very, very key players to their entire offense with TB12 and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, Rob was, you know, he retired and came back to play with TB12, you know, and then now they're down in Tampa Bay tearing shit up. But what, what, what the Patriots need to realize is you have a new system quarterback with Cam Newton. Cam Newton is also injury prone. You know, he also just came off, you know, the COVID protocol list. You had a buy, you had an extra bye week or an extra couple of days of a bye because of COVID. And then you turn around and look at, at, um, you know, at the Broncos. Drew Locke was out for two or three weeks with um, an injured um, AC joint. Then he, somebody else was out with an ankle. Somebody else tore their ACL. I mean, that team is also injury prone at this point and they've also had, you know, games without without, you know, dragging it on because of COVID. Um, but if the Broncos, you know, keep building like they like they're like they've been shown to, hell, they just got Jerry Judy. You know, they they got no right. fan last year. And so mm-hmm. you know, if both both teams just need to realize the position that they're in is basically what I'm saying in in terms of record in terms win of for the Broncos on the road. Now, this is a big win for them on the road, which gives them two wins in a row. So it's a good sign for this uh, young group. I mean, the the quarterback's young, the offensive line's young, you know what I mean, besides Gordon. But uh, it's a big win. So defensively, you know, they came up big against these Pats, and then you have the Pats going up against uh, the Niners. So that's Garoppolo taking on his former team. So if, if uh, New England loses to the Niners, question some things in, in – 
New England, I guess, at this point. Yeah, like I said, I don't think they need to be on a like a worry like a worry train. I think they do need to be concerned. What can they do to start winning? What can they do to start turning you know, things around and unfortunately being the offensive juggernaut that they are, it starts with the quarterback. It starts with you know, his reads. It starts with what is he seeing or not seeing downfield. It's you know, whether he's seeing Julian Edelman on a swing, whether he's seeing Julian Edelman, you know, on a go route, whether he's seeing um, you know, his other receivers and tight ends on rocks that are, you know, com- complete mismatch kind of thing. I think really what needs to happen is I think Cam Newton just needs some fine-tuning. I agree. Um, if you guys haven't checked out uh, com, you can check it out and go sign up now. Uh, get the sign up. Use the code NJF. So you get a 100% match on your deposit up to $50, minimum up to 10 So you can play, place your bets. Win a few extra dollars, watch your favorite team or players, match them up with different picks, and then you can get really cool, cool uh, matchup 100% with their deposit of up to $50. So monkeyknifefight.com if you want to get away from the usual lineups of daily fantasy sports like DraftKings and FanDuel, check it out. Use code NJF to get started today, monkeyknifefight.com. All right, um, Mackenzie, the, Justin Herbert, just awesome. Just bad breaks. He could be like 4-0 right now, giving some breaks and stuff, but they're coming off their bye week with a winnable game against the Jaguars. Um, should be able to keep it going against that defense. So does he get the first win, in other words? Oh, good old 6'6", six six, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Ooh, man. I, to be honest, I didn't even think he was going to start. And that's not saying that's not – bashing his talent or anything. I just didn't think he was going to get the starting position as a rookie. And I was wrong, and I'm glad that I was wrong because Justin Herbert has so much moxie, it's disgusting. I'd just be like, like, where do you get all that from? <laughs> like, okay. But the fact that he's got a solid team behind him and that, that's actually on board with him, you know, being the rookie, first year, fresh, literally fresh out of college, just got your degree type thing. And now you're out here making making your money already as a rookie, as a starting quarterback for um, the Chargers. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. But on the flip side, you got to think of Mr. Stash himself, Gardner Minshew, who's literally made a name for himself because nobody knew who he was. And he came up from the ranks, and now everybody knows the hair, the mustache. You know, they're going through a little bit of a slump right now too. So it's going to be – it's really at this point going to be a battle of – which quarterback and which offense is, you know, wants to take that, you know, restart that win streak. That's really what it's going to be about. Um, the Chargers defense, I think, Are they going to get Trevor sound. Lawrence? Do you think they get Trevor Lawrence at this point? Uh, they could be in the vine for Trevor Lawrence. So. And Trevor Lawrence is a G himself. I don't, ooh, I don't know. Ooh. It could happen, but we don't know point, yet. I'm gonna say, season, at this so. point, I'm going to say no. At this point, I'm going to no. say no. I feel like it's going to have to be – it's going to have to come down to what the record is at the end of the season for them. That's true. You're right. I mean, I think that's that's fair. Um, are you going to be watching this Giants-Philly game? Because the, the Giants are going for uh, two wins in a row. So they get the victory against Washington, which takes them off the some of the pressure. The defense came up with some big plays. And Philadelphia, of all places – Somehow, you know, they try to keep up with uh, 
the Ravens there. They kind of showed, you know, a little bit of fight. Is it too bad they're they're so banged up heading into the Giants? So the Giants could win two in a row here. You know, as much as I despise the New York Giants, jeez, I think I'm gonna take them to win. Something about Danny Dimes just has me feel like still wondering like what he can like what can he actually do when his team is 100. percent I mean, he lost Saquon Barkley which is one of the biggest engines to their offense. But Danny Dimes in himself, Daniel Jones, rather, is he is electric when he's got a full-strength team. Um, and I think with this being a an in-division matchup, I think I just, I just see him wanting it more. I don't see Carson Wentz, and that's not to knock the Eagles. That's not to knock anything about them. Because, you know, when you, you know, go across the other side of the field, Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson – um, Zach Ertz, you know, <laughs> like you, they're Super Bowl champions in themselves. So you can't, you automatically can't take them off of the equation. But speaking in terms of right now, they're they're one four and one, one win, four losses, and a tie. That tie is literally hurting their division standings right now. So if the Giants can can come into this game fully locked and loaded with what talent they do have available at this point, and they play sound football, I don't see why they can't beat the Eagles. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they they have potential for doing that. Um, do we? Are, is the third coach to be fired? Is this going to be Gase out of New York Jets? What do you think? Think they'll fire the coach at this point going forward? Yeah, yeah, I see that being a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they have a choice at this point, right? Because I mean, they look pretty piss poor. I don't think they have an yeah, option. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty, they much, they pretty much rank right up there with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they're dead last in the, dead last in in the rankings, which is pretty piss poor right now. They're not that good, so um, I, I think they make the call. They got to make the call here this week or next week. They got to make the call, especially how they perform at this point. All right, so thir- uh, Monday night we got my Bears. I mean, my Bears, my Rams, or my wife's Bears. I wanted to say my wife's Bears. Because it's a divided household this this week. Uh, she's going for the Bears. She just said, "Get ready, get your butt kicked on Monday night." So I was like, oh, "I beg to differ." Ninety nine should wake up. Should take care of Nick Foles. No big deal. Goff should come back. Wake up from his stupidity in San Francisco. So I'm going with the Rams, of course, and she's going with the Bears. So uh, we got dinner bet. Whoever loses has to make dinner, and I I don't want to make dinner. You know what I mean? Just gotta I feel get the that. <laughs> Let's get the win. Um, so it's going to be Thursday night. It's going to be uh, the Giants going for two in a row against Philadelphia. And then I think Sunday night, is it Tampa Bay, Las Vegas? Am I correct? Or is that two weeks from now? I think I wrote it down wrong. I don't think it's Sunday I night. It's, I think it's Sunday. two weeks now. No, right? Is it Arizona, Seattle, yeah. Sunday night? I think it's cool. – I, yeah. I, I, I think I, I think, it. Yeah, Arizona is the Sunday night game. Yeah, Seattle, Arizona, yeah. So that should be awesome. All right, um, so if you guys check it out at the hub, facebook.com for slash Grand Beauty. You guys know where to go, everything. The best network on the planet is at facebook.com for slash Grand Beauty. So if you don't know what's going on with women's American football globally, you are missing out. You need to go there right now. Check it out. Thank you for everybody to throw in us over 8,600 likes. And thank you for everybody to throw in us over 6,900 likes on Twitter. 
So really, really appreciate everybody doing that. Really, really bring attention. We're over 26K in terms of all platforms bringing awareness to women's American football. So without you and without Monkey Knife Fight now giving us the sponsor here, uh, I really, really would want to thank them for doing that. So check it out. Sign up. Go, use code NJF. Go to monkeyknifefight.com. Use code NJF. All right, let's finish up, Mac. Uh, we got WFLA draft, three rounds of the WFLA 2020 draft. A lot of players are really excited, especially for 2021, if they become you know, eligible at this point and they get their contracts, their LOAs, turns into physical cash. Uh, we're going to see what the actual salary cap is going to look like and all that, but we're still a little far away from that. But overall, I want to give a shout-out to a couple players out there, international players at, at that, uh, Mac. Uh, ben Jensen, quarterback formerly of the Orbro Black Knights in Sweden, and Tilti uh, Vitek, also from the Orbro Black Knights. Shout out to them girls out there. Our own no-joke football athlete, Ellie Mazzola from the Loyal Linuses from Finland. She got drafted as well. And then you had um, uh, Ariana Bobay from the Big Riders in Brazil, Pia Schwartz from Germany of the Bosham Miners. And then we also had a Karina Coltinho from Brazil as well. You can get everything, first round, second round, third round. You can get it at the WFLA on Instagram. So really, really awesome. Third, three rounds, uh, different teams there. And you get the teams that were assigned to each player, uh, roughly about 12 teams. I think 12, 10 to 12 teams were the, in the draft at this point. So, Mackenzie, some of these players are going to be very impactful in 2021 once the uh, WFLA launches its initial season yeah you know yeah i gotta be truthful for a second i didn't think this was going to make it to a draft just because you know we've all for the most part have been striving for women's american football to be a paid entity um whether it was monetary value advertising value um uniform sponsorship, things of that nature. And now that, you know, the draft has actually happened, it's now time to see if those LOIs actually turn into fully paid contracts. And I think that's what everybody's going to be looking for. Um, and that's not to yeah, say that it March, won't happen, but. Come March, it's going to be for real, you know, because uh, you got 90 days out from May. Now it's January, February. And I talked to uh, Brandon Shelby, the commissioner, uh, and they're still working out some of the details. So we don't, you know, it's not going to be big money. I'm assuming it's going to be 40 to 60K, which is uh, somewhat sustainable if you want to play full-time football, right? It's the same thing as some high-end corporate job of some sort. So hopefully they can make that happen. And don't quote me on it because those aren't factual yet because we don't have no details. I'm just kind of throwing it out there as a situation where it might work out. It could be 30K to 40K. So there's going to be a lot of players going to have to make a decision if it's on the lower tier level whether they, you know, remove themselves from their normal jobs and transplant themselves to all these teams, or if it's at a higher pay scale, maybe they're, they're, that's going to give them more money than what they're earning now. So there's some decisions to be made, obviously, for January and February. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry, that's what it's really going to be about. It's like my big eye in the sky, more or less, is going to be more focused on the WF, the WFLA in terms of if and when, well, not really if, but when these LOIs and these player contracts are going to start becoming, you know, tangible. 
Right. You know, like I said, you know how I am, Osher. I'm a huge fan of tangibility. Like, if it's not tangible, sure. if I can't get to it, it's not a thing to me. If it's, you know, hearsay, you know, she said, he said, this, there's that, a lot the third, of, you know. Everybody. There's a lot of players, Mac, out there with your same sentiment, right? They're still out there on the fence. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of players out there. So, like you said, until reality sticks in on May May 5th, when it's supposed to be the first week launched out and everything else, once that becomes reality, then, like you said, it's intangible. Maybe it's an opportunity for everybody to kind of rethink everything and decide what they want to do. So, But they got big things going right now. Um, they got, you know, Women's Sports Network TV. They got a couple of deals with a couple sponsors, OVA Group, for the TV deal. So, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, WNFC's got U2 America, uh, 11 Sports for WFA. Here we got OVA Group for this. Um, so there's there's a lot of excitement for 2021 just on the in the sport as a whole between the three leagues. If one pays the players, that's awesome. You still have two feeder leagues at high level also, and then you're going to feed from them as well if, if it is intangible, to your point. So um, pretty exciting to, you know, just be a, a fan of the sport. And, and the fact in North America you have three viable leagues with major sponsors. So uh, we'll see how it works out. And we're still anticipating WFLA, we, you know, year one because we haven't seen it yet. And if they pay players, obviously mm-hmm. it'll be the first thing. And we've all been looking for that, right, to, players to get paid. So we've got to applaud whoever gets there first. So, And at, at this point, it seems like they're going to be the ones getting there first. So we'll see. Still holding, holding off. Um, so let's go to Gridiron New, New South Wales, week two. In Gridiron New South Wales, UNSW Raiders, women's out there. Shout out to uh, Renee Hahn, our Noja football athlete. And, so, and then all over at uh, Central Coast Sharks, as well, 30-0. to zero. The Raiders go into 2-0 and o mode at this point. And then also UTS Giants women, they, uh, they lose to the Sydney Uni Lions, 26-6. to six. So 1-0 uh, and zero for them. So we'll keep tabs on that week three. And you can get all the details at the hub at facebook.com for Saskatoon Beauties. You also get the big win by Asus 2 over Hendeka in the 11th in Grand Queensland. Get the details there. Are they coming off that first win in uh, in week two? On uh, next week, it's basically a six week season where they're just playing in different and different venues, which is pretty nice and it's historic for them because they're playing eleven format. So uh, pretty awesome, Mackenzie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, you know, I love me some international ball. Oh man, international ball. I think just because I play here in the States and I, I live here in the States where I've grown up with state ball, international ball is so much faster. Oh, my goodness. I just be like, play happens here, back and forth, back and forth. I'm just like, where, does it stop? Like, is there, you know, is there a break anywhere? I'm just like, like there's so much action going on. Sometimes I can't even keep up with it. Like that 30-0 that to zero waxing the Raiders put on them girls, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, y'all better get out here and work, you know, do your thing. Man, you know, and then putting them in the 2-0, and and when they were going into that game, they were actually the underdog. You know, I looked on, um, you know, on the international hub, and I looked on um, their, you know, their sporting engines and stuff, and I was like, I can't believe they're, they're, they were like a three-point underdog. And I was just like, okay, well, that's, to me, that's a little off, but, I mean, they showed, they clearly showed them they weren't the underdog at least that day. So, you know, you never know with this, with this sport. Like, you really don't. Like, you could go, you could be, you could be 6-0, and you know, going against a 1-5 team, 2-4 and team, and that, that underdog team can just come in and wax the floor with you when you won't even know what to do. 
And I think that's, that's the beauty of, to me, of the international game is that there's so much talent and it's, and it's only heard of on this podcast. It's only heard of if you actually watch football outside of the state. So that's why I tell people, if y'all don't get to the hub and y'all don't, you know, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, Snapchat, Dazzle, whatever other social medias that you have us on and you're not, you know, and you're not up to speed on this, you're not going to know what you're missing. Yeah, no, it's a, you know, you got to be at the hub. I don't know why everybody's not going to the hub. If you want to know what's going on in women's American football, you go to the hub. It's the best network on the planet. We've said it many, many times. And I want to thank everybody for giving us a high rating on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, also on iHeart as well. So check it out out there at the hub. The other intangible big game coming up here October 24th, and we have the British squad, Sydney Green, Gabby Nobbs of the Karlstad Crusaders going for a three-peat, Mackenzie, three-peat. And the British girls going for their first Swedish championship after having all those titles in, in the U.K. They're taking on Oral Black Knights. Oral Black Knights come in here trying to be spoiler in the final. And you can get to watch it courtesy of Seymour on Finland, pay-per-view as well. So as Sydney Green, Gabby Nobbs, Lindy Johansson, they're taking on horrible Black Knights. So it's going to be a great great uh, Swedish final in the Super Series. Whew, I can't wait. I love me some Gabby. Oh, man, Gabby's a G. Like, I'm not messing with her. No place, no time, no anywhere. I'm not messing with her. Man, I think those I think those British girls are going to wipe the floor. I just I don't see anybody beating them, and they and like like you said, they're going for three peat. They've not nobody has been able to keep up with them for the past three, four, five seasons, even when they were building, and now that they're completely built and a well-oiled machine, I don't see I don't see the Black Knights keeping up with them. I just don't. I mean, and but on the flip side, the Black Knights have been known to come in and spoil things. That is a known fact. Anybody that watches international ball knows the Black Knights are known for that, that specific thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if they tried, but once once Gabby and once Lindy get going, it's Oscar. Like, you can't It's going to be a massive task. That's what your point is. You know, Black Knights going to have yeah, a massive task. And I don't think Carlstead's coming in here to lose. And these girls, these Brit girls don't, the last game of the season, the finals, I don't think they want to lose that one. You know, they don't want to end up losing no, that one. No, Sam, they're not they're not looking to lose that. So I just – I can't wait. <laughs> so you can watch it, see more, uh, oh, yeah. get, get the information right there at the Hub. Check it out, uh, women's uh, Swedish final, Super Series final, Karlstad Crusaders taking on the Orville Black Knights, courtesy of Seymour, pay-per-view, uh, and you can check it out there at the Hub. And we'll be watching it all weekend long. Plus, we got action in New South Wales, action in Austria as well that we have to talk about, and we're updating that. And then um, another week of Gridiron 11s in Queensland, Ace 3. So it's pretty awesome international action still happening. If you think there's no women playing American football, you are dead wrong because we are 24-7 global, and there is women playing American football somewhere on this earth, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Y'all wild out here. Y'all think that there's not women out here playing football. Like, real talk. I don't know how many times I have to tell people, like, they always compare it to something else that's not, you know, 
and I'm not badmouth and no other, you know, leagues, but every time I tell somebody that I play football, they always compare it to something that they've seen on TV before or that's more attractive. And I'm like, nah, like I'm out here playing 11, just like the guys do, you know, but you would know mm-hmm. that if you got to the hub. Y'all would know that if you followed us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, social media, Snapchat, blah, blah, blah. Okay, people would understand that, but if you're not following us, if y'all are really into this podcast like y'all keep telling me you are, and like the ratings keep saying, y'all would know that. That's a thing. Women playing American football ain't new, y'all. Let's get it together and get to the hub where you can get all that information. Mac, uh, uh, everybody uh, on the planet is playing what? No joke football. Let's just say it right now. These girls are playing no joke football, and they're playing it somewhere on the continent. That's how it works. And they're playing high caliber Literally. ball and can't can't keep up with us. Can't keep up with us. So you go to the hub to keep up. Go to the hub, Facebook.com forward slash Grandbeauties. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, our brand new sponsor, monkeyknifefight.com. Go sign up there now. New players sign up, get a deposit, 100% match on their deposit up to $50. Uh, minimum of $10, uh, one monthly play on there. So you get one month to play once you put your deposit in. So check it out on us, NJF, and you get place the bets there, win a few extra dollars, uh, watch your favorite team and get extra dollars there, pick an event, go from there. Strongly recommend. Check it out, Monday, uh, monkeyknifefight.com if you want to get away from the usual lineup building on daily fantasy sports like, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings. Use code NJF to get started today. Go monkeyknifefight.com. So really awesome podcast. Mackenzie, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks to the Hall of Famer coming here, uh, dissecting college football and week seven recap of the NFL. I hope you had fun. Uh, We've been missing you for a couple weeks, so I know you've been busy and everything else. So really appreciate you coming in and giving us the insights on the NFL. And I'll see the women's recap here with the Super Series Championship happening this weekend in Sweden. Oscar, you know this is my place. You know you know, Salty is unfortunately a busy person, but the Gridiron Beauties Blitz podcast is my home. So this is where I got the Salty game. So I'll never, I'll never not be able to come on. So it's just going to be spotty. But when Salty's in the building, y'all know what's up. Just know that. But until I can get on regularly, stay tuned to the podcast because there's way more, you know, information and uh, football minds better than me. So don't just come on and listen to me if that's what you come on here for, because that's not what we're about. We're literally about yep. the awareness of women's football across the board, period. All right. So for the absent, uh, Nate Ward, uh, and then we got thank for Holly Custom to come in, Luis Bean, absent Luis Bean, as well as the salty one here, Oscar Lopez here. We'll catch you next week for 344. Tune in, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't miss it. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>